0: Hello everyone, this is Mike with the Crucial Talks Podcast. I hope you have an exciting week coming up. I just developed a new presentation I call Fear, Feelings, and Failures. It's all about emotions and how emotions can be driven by the roles we play every day. This episode is based on that presentation, and although I'm only giving you a little taste of what I cover, like every other episode, I want to leave you with a few good takeaways. Today, we're going to talk about how fear can drive our decision making. Specifically, I want to talk to you about how fear can drive what we do. Let me give you a couple of scenarios, and let's think about these scenarios rationally. First, you are careening down a railroad track and a speeding train approaching a curve. There's absolutely nothing wrong with the train. You can reduce the throttle and apply the brakes anytime you wish. Second, you make a mistake at work. You can admit to it, you can ignore it, or you can hide it. What do you do in either case? I'm guessing your decision in the speeding train scenario was pretty easy to make. You pull back on the throttle and slow down so that you don't go off the rails, crashing the train, and possibly hurting or killing yourself and everyone else on board. I'm also guessing that your decision in the second case is a little more difficult. It probably depends on the level of the mistake, if anyone else will get hurt, if it will be embarrassing, and your workplace culture. It depends on the context. It depends on the situation. I would also bet that you can think of a few different places you have worked in your life where given the same situation, you would do one thing based on one workplace and you would choose to do something else in another workplace. That is the power of culture, the roles we plan our lives, and how the expectations of that role can drive what we do. And it's all because the place in our brain where we make decisions is not the same place where we do math calculations. But it is the same place where feelings exist. Feelings like love and trust and fear and hate and other emotions all live in this place. So now, let's take those two scenarios and put them together into a real-world case. Although this scenario is horrible and has terrible outcomes, we can see that life is made up of complex decisions. And how we make sense of those complex situations we have to make decisions on is based on the roles we play and it's based on emotion. The first scenario I proposed was careening down a railroad track in a speeding train where you can slow down. The second scenario was to report a mistake and face the outcomes of that report. Those outcomes can be things like a reprimand, embarrassment, or being ostracized. They can also be learning, growing, and having good conversations. Blending those two scenarios is like mixing two chemicals. We get to see the reaction and dissect how human beings make decisions. Things that cannot be explained merely by looking at a rational explanation can be explained by looking at how human beings, as social animals, behave, and how emotions have a huge impact on what we do every day. Although this story involves a train, I ask you to apply this to decisions you make in your day-to-day life. These factors impact every bit of human life. It doesn't matter if you drive a train, fly a plane, or sell stocks. Our fear of ridicule, loss of esteem, or embarrassment can cause us to make decisions that just don't seem rational. Think about how this impacts your life. And think about how you treat other people can impact the decisions they make. Let's start. On April 25, 2005, a commuter train with seven cars and 700 people on board derailed. The first and second cars struck an apartment building, then were crushed by the other cars coming behind them. Over 100 people died and about 600 were injured. I can tell you the train had no technical issues. The track was perfectly fine and all systems were working. The train was speeding. There's no question about that. And there was also no attempt at applying the emergency brake, although the regular service brake was used. The investigation found that the driver was at fault for exceeding the speed limit for that section of track. How many times have we heard the terms driver error, human error, pilot error, and then just shrugged our shoulders and went about our business because we accepted that. Bad actor made a bad decision with bad outcomes. And we don't look any further. Explanations like that indicate that these bad actors or incompetence or just plain bad luck caused the issue. But what happens when we dive a little deeper? when we go below the surface, when we try to figure out exactly what's going on and why people can do what they do, is it because they don't care enough? Or is it because they care too much? Caring, just like any other feeling and any decision, is all context-specific. Rationalizing a situation would say that the driver should have slowed down. Going too fast, approaching a curve, what do you do? Slow down. If you slow down, you don't crash. Seems rational. So what could drive someone to make a decision like that? What pushes people to continue a bad situation without taking action or taking the inappropriate action? What drives people to keep going down a bad road instead of changing direction? We all fall into similar traps in our own lives. So let's start by going back to earlier in that day, April 2005. About a half an hour before the derailment, the driver failed to stop at a red light and an automatic system turned on, forcing the train to stop. At the station located just before the derailment, the driver had overshot where he was supposed to stop the train and was forced to back up. This created a 90-second delay in his trip. He then left that station, and because of his speed, had reduced the delay from 90 seconds to 60 seconds. Think about how much faster he needed to be going to reduce the delay by 30 seconds. About four minutes later, the train derailed. I know what all of you were thinking, because I was thinking the same thing. Bad actor. Proximate cause is a driver's decision to speed. I also know that you're probably thinking the other decisions, such as stopping in the wrong location, running the stoplight, all point to driver incompetence, driver not paying attention, bad actor. Not only human error, but deliberate violations. I know what we're all thinking about that because of what I have given you, that little bit of context. All these things point to bad person doing a bad thing. But now let's go back even further so that we can understand human behavior. Let's go back before that day and see what kind of Issues are going on, and I'm going to focus on just a couple for this episode, but there's a lot going on with this system. First, let's look at the fact that he overshot the train platform. Company rules require that any overshoot be reported. About 10 months before this incident, the driver had overshot a platform. He was punished for it. And I mean punished, not just reprimanded, but sent to re-education. And this isn't just a training program. This is something that people that get in trouble in this company, they are forced to go to. It affects them financially, and it is workplace bullying, for lack of a better term. They're not told how long they're going to be there. They're told to do menial tasks. They're told to write reports, pull weeds, do the lawn, things like that, and verbally berated during their time there. It is a psychologically negative impact to that person. Basically, what they're doing in a situation like this is saying, you didn't care enough. We're going to punish you so that you care more. How many of our organizations still do that today? How many of our organizations have done that in the past? Have you ever felt that way where basically they're telling you, you just didn't care enough. We're going to make you care by punishing you. And that's kind of what happened here. But to an extent that probably in this country, we do not see very often, if at all. In this culture, on-time performance is counted on by the company and by the passengers. There is a ton of pressure to be on time. There's a lot of strict requirements, and there's punishment if you're not. In the three years prior to this derailment, this company had reduced time buffers in its schedule between these two stations from 71 seconds to 28 seconds. That's only in a quarter of an hour that it takes to get between stations. So in 15 minutes, they went from a 71-second buffer to a 28-second buffer. What does that do to the system, to the pressures on the people? And people are not interchangeable parts. They're human beings that crave social belonging. So in short, this added pressures to the system, and this requirement to be punctual created a situation where drivers are punished when they make mistakes. And the punishments, like we talked about, they're not just a little closed-door session with the boss. The punishments have a number of negative outcomes. There's a financial cost. Drivers make less money when they make mistakes. There's also a social motivation there. And we know the difference between money motivation and social motivation. Social motivation trumps it. It trumps pay for performance every time. But the reverse side of that coin is money punishment versus social punishment. If there was only a monetary punishment for mistakes, I actually would not be as concerned. However, there's not just a monetary punishment. Drivers were punished and sent to re education training. They were sent to a place where they would be bullied in the training that they go through. I imagine it's something like the scene from the movie Gung Ho with Michael Keaton. Yo, it. Oh, jeez. Sorry. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt your screaming. I'm looking for Asan Motors. You know, Asan Motors. Anybody know where it is? I'm like really lost. I have no. I don't have a clue where I'm. At. I i do not know. Am I still in Japan? You must want executive Ah, uh, Right. You are in the wrong place. Okay, where's the right place? One block over. Ooh. Guess who got out of the wrong side of the bed this morning? <laughs> hey, he's a nice ribbon. Those are ribbons of shame. I'd wear them on the inside if I was you. Thanks a lot. It's a negative social motivation. They want to do what they can to stay out of that. When your job is to drive a train or the role you play is supposed to be driving a train, but you're forced to to do a different task. You're forced to do the lawn, pull weeds, write menial reports. It's clear to me that this re-education is for embarrassment and would definitely cause feelings of shame In short, the program that they sent drivers to for doing the wrong thing was stripping away levels of esteem. So where there might be a money punishment, I'm not as concerned with. The social punishment, I'm very concerned with because I can see it tearing away at the esteem of people. And that will dramatically affect what decisions people make. So we know the driver was speeding. We also know he only applied the service break and never reached for the emergency break. He died in the crash, so we can only speculate why. But the rule of the company was that any time the emergency break was applied, another infraction would be there to be punished. Is that why he didn't reach for that emergency break? I would hate to be in a system where in an emergency, you don't take action because it hurts your self-esteem, because you know you'll be punished for it, because a system is so... Punishment heavy and negative that you can't do what you need to do in an emergency. So what can we learn from this? The first key takeaway is understanding the absolute importance of esteem to people. Esteem is one very important reason why people choose to join or leave groups. The roles we assign people in our lives and in our workplaces are very powerful because they provide people with feelings of esteem and identity. Strip that esteem away and people feel awful. Threaten that esteem, and people will do what they need to do to protect it. The second key takeaway is how punishment can impact the learning cultures in our organizations. Bullying in the workplace is unacceptable and tears apart motivation and trust. It's also the way that some people in some organizations do business. I know what has happened to me. It still happens today. It's an unsophisticated and immature way to run any group or organization. It will also drive people to make decisions that could be counterproductive to the overall goals of the organization. In short, it causes people to spend a ton of energy protecting themselves, where they're trying to hide things, where they're trying not to report things, where other people cannot learn from mistakes because of this negative connotation and the effect to self-esteem that it has. They spend all of their energy looking inside the organization to protect themselves, when that same amount of energy could be spent looking outside, doing productive things for each other, for the company, for the organization. And we need to have these cultures where we take advantage of every opportunity to learn. Learning helps us build leadership and safety capacity in our organizations. Without that learning component, we are stagnant. If we create cultures where mistakes are not reported, where required reports emotionally hurt people, they aren't going to want to say anything. In fact, they may try to hide things. Of course, we need accountability, but we also need to understand that the reason most people don't take action or make notifications about issues is because they don't want to be embarrassed. They don't want to lose self-esteem. We can have stronger organizations and healthier cultures when we remove stigmas so that everyone can learn and everyone can see that we are all truly human beings, and the one constant with human beings, we're going to make mistakes. There's a lot more to this case, and it makes an absolutely fascinating study on how esteem and emotions can drive our decision-making. Today, we focus on just a couple. It isn't the rational choice and outcome that drives what we do. It's the emotions we feel that make us decide. Decision-making is not so much an analytical process. It's not so much linear, but it's an emotional one. It's not just based on calculations, but on social drivers. If we can look at our systems as social interactions and examine our systems for ways to design them with the capacity for mistakes and failures, I think we have a better chance to be more productive, to be more safe, and have happier work environments. This is an absolutely great case just to think about how that emotional impact on people will drive decisions that when you look back, with hindsight being 2020, you just don't understand the decision. Because when we look backwards, we're looking backwards with rationality. We need to be looking at the system as a whole, and that includes everything. Not just the rational side of it and the calculation side of it, but the social side of it. Thank you so much for listening. For more about me and some of the presentations I provide, please visit www.crucialtalks.com. Although I travel to companies and present information, I am always willing to share information. So please go to my website, crucialtalks.com. Reach out to me on email, LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, and I will be more than happy to share any information I have and start a conversation with you. My phone number is on there. You can even feel free to call me. I get a lot of benefit from this also. I love talking to other people, seeing how all these different organizations work. And really what I've, what I've come to find is no matter how different the organization or the industry is, the people, the people are the important part and the people are the fascinating reason why we are so good at what we do in our different organizations and our different industries. Please continue to share the podcast and rate it if you haven't already. The numbers are looking good, but I really want to grow this community of practitioners. Hope you have an outstanding week. And remember, if we want to understand behavior, we need to understand what drives people.